0: Welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. I have a question for you. And the question is this. How do you take everyday sex, the sex that you've probably been having for years, if you've been sexually active for years, and turn it into something extraordinary? How do you take the way that you connect with your partner in this world and turn it into something that really uh, binds you and connects you on a spiritual level? How do you approach those feelings of transcendence and bliss? And how do you do it not only with the partner, but how do you do that within yourself so that at any moment, you yourself are, are in charge of your journey of uniting the gifts of what you're given by being a human alive on this planet with this other unique capacity that we have to experience the divine, uh, the divine in a way that's exceptional and the divine in a way that it merges with the every day. I'm so excited because today's guest is none other than Margot Anand, who is one of the world's recognized masters in Tantra and whose book, The Art of Sexual Ecstasy, has helped thousands upon thousands of people realize these new depths of how to experience themselves and their lovers as sexual and spiritual beings. Her new book, Love, Sex, and Awakening, which is a combination of practical guidance, Uh, in the realm of Tantra, along with some amazing and captivating stories from her life, is going to be available in January of 2017. As always, we will have a detailed show guide with uh, a summary of everything that we talk about in today's episode, as well as links to Margot's website, her books, her workshops, and uh, DVDs, and uh, you can download that show guide by visiting neilsatin.com slash skydancing. Or you can simply text the word passion if you're listening in the States to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And I will send you a link to a page where you can download the show guide for this episode and all the other episodes on the Relationship Alive podcast. I think that's all the business that I have to cover, and I'm so excited to dive into the pleasure. Margot Anand, thank you so much for being here with us today on Relationship Alive.
1: Well, that's a very intelligent and engaging uh, introduction you gave us. So thank you for <laughs> having me on uh, on the air.
0: It is my pleasure, my pleasure. Um, I suppose the, the place to start might be just to give readers a sense of, or listeners a sense of your journey. Um, and of course, that's what your, your newest book, it's, it's a bit of a memoir in terms of describing your journey. Um, but what led you to discover these new aspects of how to be together with other people in a way that merged the spiritual and the sensual? And how, how was that? unexpected for you given where you came from
1: well good question uh yeah it was a very unusual beginning for me and a very um how do you say sensational one an unexpected one because i was 17 and a half and i was a virgin and i was very much in love with my boyfriend who was an american artist studying art in paris and um I was leading a double life. On the one side, I was a debutante going with Christian Dior Dior, uh, ball gowns to the fantastic uh, debutante balls uh, of the high society. And on the other hand, I was uh, being in love with a man who was not of this milieu, but who was an artist and a wild man. So it begins with, uh, you know, me going to see him and deciding to break my father's uh, rule of uh, midnight curfew, come home by midnight. And I decided that this night was going to be dedicated to love and um, I was going to go for it. And so we made love for the first time. It was absolutely delicious and is described in my chapter one of my new book. And then um, suddenly I found myself transported beyond the body into a cosmic realm in which I became light and I saw that before I incarnated in this body, I was pure light and I would um, go back there when I would leave this body. So in that dimension of pure light there was no more belonging to a particular family, parents, school, country, education. This was all dissolved into infinite light and uh, a direct immersion into a feeling of the divine and an opening of my crown chakra. And that was my first orgasm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know when I read that, I was like, well, that doesn't set the bar very high. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't expect that. But once it happened, (laughs) as you can imagine, and as has happened to many people interested in Tantra, we want to duplicate, reproduce and taste again that experience, which is, of course completely antithetical to the surprising, unexpected descent of grace whenever it happens to us. Because you can't very well tell ecstasy, well, look, I'm free between five and six. Could you please <laughs> bring yourself over here and transport me into you know, this uh, in- infinite realm again? So, you know... After this episode, I knew that sexuality was going to be a door to spirituality for me. And I became passionately involved in the study of that question of the link between the two. So that's my answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, what a what an introduction and and there's some irony involved as well. I I mentioned this when I first wrote to you that um I owe you an immense debt of gratitude. And that is because your book, The Art of Sexual Ecstasy was actually given to my partner, my uh, my current partner who's also my fiance, will be married next summer. Um
1: Congratulations.
0: And it was given to her by her mother when wow. she was a when she was about that age, like seventeen or eighteen. And um, and for her, she and I, I I asked her about this beforehand, so she gave me permission to share this. Um, she had not only been fascinated, but also had been hungry to find a partner who really was also interested in that kind of journey. And um, fortunately for me, um, we met and um, and I was also on that path as well. So um, so I think about that experience that you had when you were coming of age, and how much of an impact that had on you and led you to write your book and your many books on the topic, one of which was given to my beloved partner. And and how much that has helped us on our own journey. And I just want to take this moment to just say how grateful I am that that you've taken that that step in that journey.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was very clear to me from the beginning that that these amazing breakthroughs that I had that were gifted to me by the universe had to be shared with the world and that my mission was to try my very best to eradicate sexual ignorance on this planet, an ignorance which is still so prevalent that my heart bleeds when I think about it. And so anyway, uh, I'm also happy to note that the consciousness uh, that is spreading around the connection between sexuality and awareness and spirituality is growing. And so this is also good um so any case um thank you for acknowledging me yeah that's
0: good <laughs> yes you're welcome um and and with that like there there's so much even in what you just said because that is also a passion of of ours as well as not just uh, eradicating ignorance but really overcoming the the injuries that happen to men and women in their sexual being and their sexual development, just because it happens so haphazardly for most people, and and so I'm excited with today's show to to help people find some new new ways to um, to start tapping in to yes. this other sexual pathway within them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so maybe we could start there and and see is there something that comes to mind for you about like an initial offering for people who are hearing this and they are tantalized and hungry and they're like, okay, where can I start tonight? Like when I get home, what's something I can do that will help set the stage for this kind of experience?
1: Well, you know, you have to start with acknowledging that um, one of the qualities of uh, that we need to master in order to be good lovers and in order to enter into a sacred dimension is presence. And in the statistics that were made of what women preferred in men, on a very large number, a majority, the quality of presence was the one given. And presence uh, is something that needs to be there to create also a sense of the sacred. So how you enter into this experience is, first of all, you dedicate together one or two hours of your time uh, to entering into sacred space. That means you close. This is so basic. I'm sure everybody's already said that. But to actually practice that is much more difficult than one would imagine because we are so busy. You know, that's one of the reasons why I left America where I lived for 25 years is because the last time I went there and I love this country. I mean, now we're a bit trumped, but that's another story. But in any case, um, you know, I was turning again into a workaholic. I mean, there was so much creativity and so much to accomplish that I never had a moment. So just the point of taking Two hours, you know, to dedicate to pleasure is something for many people that is, you know, they always put it aside. We're going to do that later. We're going to do that over the weekend. We're going to do that when we have a nanny for the kids. We're going to do that when granny's coming to take uh, care of, you know, whatever. It's not so simple. But if you manage to do that, you close the internet, all internet, you close the box, you t- close the Wi-Fi, you close the telephone, you know, you close the bell, you you know everything. you peace in the house, peace in your heart, peace in your spirit. Then you sit opposite each other and now you close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, rest in the meditative posture, And after that, you're ready to look at each other and to say, I'm here to create a space of total presence and welcome you for the next two hours to whatever is needed to grow between us. Okay. So it's not like you have to practice a technique, you know, first of all, let me say this. There is a few misunderstandings. First of all, people think that in to in order to enter into Tantra, they already have to have a perfect relationship. Not so. They don't even need to have a partner. Okay? Okay. All they need is to want to grow and to wake up. Because my all of my work, given that I started leading the first Tantra groups in the ashram of Pune of Osho, who is a well-known, by now a well-known mystic, And a very radical one, um, I had to deal with singles and couples. And I designed my entire trainings based on singles and couples. So, um, you know, there's, and, and when a person comes as a single, they align their energies, they understand themselves, they get to know themselves better. And when they leave that segment of the training, they become so attractive that. By the second training, they want to bring in the partner they met. So then (laughs) problem because we didn't have them in the first cycle, but now they want to join the second cycle. (laughs) So, you know, so you can do it alone and you can do it in a couple situation and you don't have to be perfect because these, these practices are so powerful that believe it or not, even if you go into these practices, such as the one I described, which is very simple, Um, and you're not together, and you have a grudge, or you're on the edge of a quarrel, or you finish the quarrel, or you want to quarrel, you go into such a practice, the practice itself will transform your psyche, it will transform your energy. And by the time you've been willing to do the practice, and you come out of it on the other side, you're in a completely different space. So people don't have to have the perfect partner. They don't have to be in this special, perfect uh, state of mind. They can approach it just as they are right now. So that's important to know.
0: Mm, Yeah. And just a quick question, um, because you mentioned this, doing this work with couples and doing this work with singles. And as is the case with, um, with this show, I know a lot of my listeners, um, although many of them do uh, eventually pull their partner in to listen to episodes of the podcast that intrigue them, many of them listen by themselves and, and often wonder, OK, like it's I'm, I'm kind of on my own here. And how do I how do I invite my partner in to this kind of practice if if I'm the one practicing it and they're they're only tangentially interested? Do you have any any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, Um, I have a a series of videos that are available. And um, it's much easier when you watch a film uh, that was shot with 60 of my students that is juicy and alive that has modules of 20 minutes each. And then you press on the button of the practices and then you press on mute and then you just watch, you know, what's going on for 20 minutes and then you close it and you have a discussion. You know, so these tools are now very easily available. They can find them on my website, you know, under Margot's Treasures, because all my life I have I have sought to, you know, uh, make it easy for people, give them tools. But but the very best of them is for people, first of all, to have an idea of what's possible. People don't have an idea of what's possible. That's why I wrote my latest book. Uh, Love, sex, and awakening—I called it finding God in bed. The publisher thought it was too radical, so they renamed <laughs> it um, "A Journey from Tantra to Sexual No, from Tantra to Spiritual Bliss." And so, anyway. Uh, this is my first book of stories. So each story reads like an adventure. It's a page-turner. It's outrageous. And it happened to me. And this is actually how I was shaken awake, you know, with the desire, once I had a cosmic experience in this field, to share it with the world. So you have chapters like Awakening the Guru Between Your Legs. And understanding that your genitals have a consciousness, that they are a sacred element of your being, that you can care for them, that you can give them a voice. And that in itself offers so many solutions. So the story in the book is, how did it happen to me the first time? And that story is outrageous. But it was such a healing You know, so when people read this already, maybe 200 people have read this privately, all my friends, and they say, wow, I want to have a life like this. I want to have these experiences. They see what's possible. And that's why I was a pioneer, because I went into these things that were very radical. Um, You know, they are still valid today and that many people don't even have a clue that they can happen. And so at the end of each of these chapters, I ask, what did I learn from this, from this adventure? And then I give a practice, a a small, easy, simple practice. The first one being presence, you know? So it's a different book than all the other books. I wrote five books of practices, of tantric practices, and I'm a little bored with this style. So now I'm enjoying writing real life stories, which are much more fun to read, so yeah, just at th- that you know.
0: At the end, you uh, you asked if if the readers would be interested in your writing another volume. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to say yes, absolutely, write another. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. Yeah, um, There's another question that that we definitely have to address here. Sure. Because now the, the, the predictions of Osho has come true. He said there will be a tantra revolution. Tantra will be everywhere. So it's the same as yoga. You know, yoga came from the East. I was there. I watched it. Uh, I had been in the East before it even came to America. And then before you knew it, there was yoga studios at every corner. So now there's tantra workshops at every corner. And, and so because of that, I had to write a chapter called The Shadow Side of Tantra, you know, or Tantra the Dark Side, because yeah. there have been so many abusive, uh, you know, situations happening through tantric teachers. You have no idea. Wait until you read that chapter, chapter 11. So, you know, I, it happened to me. And so I went to look for solutions, and I, I found out what the Dalai Lama said, which was very radical, as you will see in my chapter. I would have never thought that the Dalai Lama would have offered these kinds of solutions. And he took it from the Buddha, because the Buddha, too, had a teaching on sexual misconduct. Okay? So I give all of these answers in my chapter, and then the last chapter is about awakening, how, how it happens, you know, because it happened to me. So I describe it in detail. Now, that's it. You know, that's what's important in that book, too.
0: Yeah. And and one thing that I appreciate about your work is that it does make it so accessible. And my goal is for people to find, you know, whether it's the guru between their legs, the guru within the guru in their partner, so that so that they're doing that dance with their beloved Um, and you make the practices so accessible that it seems like if people are practicing presence and not having an agenda so much as the intention that you, you know, you expressed, create this space and set an intention to grow, to, to serve each other to the highest benefit of both of you. Um, if you're following that thread then and paying attention, then it seems like that in many ways, might be all the guidance that you need. Um, what are well, your thoughts on that?
1: Very, there is another very important point, which is also very simple. And I call it creating your personal mantra. You know that many spiritual sciences develop the science of mantra, which is a very beautiful science that we receive from uh, the Sanskrit and the Indian ancient Indian tradition. So Now I've taken that and I've westernized it, which is one of my specialties, so that it could be, you know, available for all our friends in the West. And so I did it for myself first. And I realized that sex, making love, is one of the places where we gather the most projections, bad habits, wrong expectations, fears, and, you know, difficulties in letting go. So when there, for many, many people, when they enter into a lovemaking session, um, they are sooner or later confronted with a double path, one going left, one going right. The one going left is saying, Oh, I'm tired. I have a back pain. Um, it won't be as good today as it was yesterday. I forgot to turn the oven off. The kitchen's going to burn down. Um, you know, that kind of stuff, like the mind, you know, interfering all the time. Mm-hmm. And if we're not very, very conscious about what's going on and the role of the mind, we follow that path and we lose our desire and we lose our energy we don't navigate this right okay then the the path the right hand path i mean this is just my expression not the traditional expression chooses success okay and the way you choose success is you have to find a personal mantra that reminds you that besides all the negative bad habits that you in a dialogue is bringing forth to your attention You can also give your personal mantra that will propulse you on the road to success. So in my case, my personal mantra was very simple. It was, I am an orgasmic woman. Okay. Now, I could have been in the worst situation. Like, you know, I wasn't ready for my lover. You know, my lover usually is... um, Uh, you know, a little more quick and enthusiastic than I am these days, you know, because I've been through so much experience with sexuality, to be honest. (laughs) I'm a little bit beyond it, you know. (laughs) But anyway, anyway, be that as it may, I may find myself in a completely different, you know, mood, But if I just stay present and I keep repeating to myself, I am an orgasmic woman, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to do exactly the things I need to do to get to be successful. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to move my body. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to use the three keys to orgasmic power, which I talk about in my work, which is what happens when you have a good orgasm. And I'm going to be forcibly present because when you do... When you use deep breathing, orgasmic breathing, and you, you know, move your body to your sensations and you use your voice, you have to be present. You don't have a choice, okay? And then if at the same time, once in a while, you drop, I'm an orgasmic woman, before you know it, it, you're having a great time, you know? (laughs) And so it's so simple, you know? Do
0: you have suggestions for how one can choose their their personal mantra.
1: Well, uh first of all, you have to, you know, do that as an exercise and you may find out that every day another one is coming up. Yeah. And then you have to notice how you stop yourself from pleasure, how you divert yourself from you know, taking time for pleasure or for trusting yourself, because a lot of what doesn't really work for people in sexuality is that they don't have enough of a high self-esteem. You know, they think they're not good enough. Oh, well, you know, I have this problem, that problem. We, we're so used by our religions and our, you know, education to feel and to look at the problems before you really look at the solutions, you know? So we need to turn that around. So, um, that, that's one way the other way is okay where do you want to get what's your ultimate success you know in this relationship okay when you make love in sex my case it was sex because I loved sex I had a lot of sex in my life okay so what did I want to achieve great sex okay so how do I achieve great sex by trusting and believing that I'm an orgasmic woman that I can okay that I tell myself that I can That I don't forget it, okay? So, you know. Yeah, and that you remind yourself. A man might write, um, I have staying power, you know, Um, or uh, I trust myself, or I'm okay as I am, you know, whatever. I know how to communicate positively, or uh, I am the vessel of love. I am the best lover of all of them. Or whatever. You know, it's not very complicated actually.
0: Yeah. And then you yeah.
1: try it out. It's fun. You know? You can whisper it in the in the ears of your partner. You can whisper, I am an orgasmic woman. And the partner is gonna get totally excited. Oh she's an orgasmic woman. Let's go for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, let me help you in that department. <laughs> um you know while we're on the topic of orgasms um one topic that we've explored and i mentioned to you earlier that we've had diana richardson on the show and in in her um in the kind of tantra that she teaches slow sex she talks a lot about not having not going for peak orgasms and instead Going for like a longer, slower sexual experience and letting that open up these other channels for pleasure and how you experience that energy in your body. And I'm wondering what your experience has been in terms of um, distinguishing, you know, a a peak or a climax orgasm versus what happens when you don't do that and instead you're cultivating that energy within and, and circulating it.
1: Yeah, well, there's, you know, so many approaches. This is what's so much fun in Tantra, because when you start to study Tantra and you just study, first of all, it's good to know that Tantra is a tradition that has existed in every culture in the world. In other words, every culture has had interest in joining sexuality with spirituality in one way or another. The Africans have it, the Greeks had it. Um, you know, the, uh, Western people developed Neo Tantra, you know, with me being one of the first ones to bring it to the West. And, um, so anyway, to answer your, there is of course the Shiva Tantra that comes from India, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, um... When you are deeply in a meditative posture, uh, not looking for anything, not looking for having an orgasm, and you allow and you respect the consciousness of your Vajra and your Yoni, to use noble names for our genitals, and you let them do their thing, and you just kind of a watcher, and you look in your partner's eyes, and you say and communicate whatever is the truth of that moment and whatever you feel, and then you'd relax even more deeply, uh, a number of things can happen. This doesn't always open doors for people because people are tired. And if people are not able to stay awake in a state of deep relaxation, that kind of practice will easily send them into the arms of the sleeping goddess, of um Morpheus, Morpheus you know, Morphe. <laughs> and so um that doesn't always work. Also, it is it is to be noted that our access to ecstasy is very dependent on our astrological sign. So I'm a double Leo and for me my fire gets going and I'm for I'm a peak lady. Okay? I like to go for the I have liked to go for the peaks and now that I'm entering into my older years I like the valley as Osho used to call it uh, much more than I used to before but for me you have to define what's a peak and a valley because people often think that a peak is just you get so excited that you have an ejaculation and it's the end but it's not so a peak means that you are have opened your central channel that connects your sexual center with your crown chakra or your the crown of your head and or, or vice versa, you know, from the crown down to the first. Um, you have opened this central channel, which corresponds to your, um, your meridian, the middle meridian in acupuncture, a very important one. So it's not just an imaginary channel. It exists, and it's used by many traditions. So when you are able to open that channel, your orgasmic energy becomes like a motor, like a vibration that travels from your sex to your navel, to your heart, to your throat, to your third eye, and to your crown. And the peak happens when you arrive at the crown and and your orgasmic energy is transformed into a deep meditation, uh, which expands beyond the boundaries of your physical body. And now you are flying in the sky, you're sky dancing. So this is an art which is very ancient, which I kind of renewed through my explorations and my revelations and that I describe in great detail in my book, Love, Sex, and Awakening, the, the one that I just mentioned. Um, and it's it's a fabulous, you know, access to the divine, to the mystical dimension that we have. So um, that's actually a dimension where peaks and valleys meet each other. Because when you arrive at that kind of peak, you don't have any anymore to do anything, you don't have to ejaculate, you don't have to release excitement, you have transformed it, it's an alchemy. So, you know, that's what I'm interested, that was what I've always been interested in, because sky dancing Tantra is basically coming from a dimension that was born in the 8th century Tibet, through the agency of Buddha Padmasambhava, and Yeshe Sogwal, his consort, who were practicing... Uh, different tantric practices, which um, gave them various cities or powers, one of which was to bilocate and to be dancing in the sky. So, you know, that's it. See, there I could say a lot of things about it. Got but it. Got it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so as I'm listening, I'm I'm curious for my audience, like, what is what's a practice that they could experiment with? to give them a taste of experiencing that that inner, inner flute, as you call it, the, the channel um, that connects all of those energy centers in their body?
1: Well, I would say, first of all, to practice yoga, if possible, somewhat, which is fairly current nowadays, so that they would be comfortable either in the scissors position, which is described in my book, The Art of Sexual Ecstasy, there is a drawing, where the the partners are lying down, but one is turned towards the other and their legs are intertwined so that their their sexual center, their heart and their eyes are in connection. Uh, that would be one way. And the other way is the so-called Yabyum which is uh, where the man sits in half lotus and the woman sits on his lap with her legs wrapped around his waist. Um, and there... Uh, you know, if they can find a way to exchange their breathing so that one exhales while the other one is inhaling, there's many, many wonderful, uh, explorations that can happen when you share your breath. Okay. So that would be one way. And, um, you know, there's another way called the sexual, sexual breathing, where you imagine that you're sitting opposite your partner and you're inhaling your partner's sexual energy, you're not touching each other or you're touching just lightly and you're not making love, you're meditating and then you imagine that you're taking your partner's sexual energy into your sex, inhaling it up your central channel and then exhaling it to your partner and your partner is at the same time inhaling your breath and bringing it down through from their mouth to their heart, to their belly, to their sex and exhaling it from their sex to your sex. So you create a kind of a a circular movement. And if you're slow and careful while you do it, you might have a few glitches on the way, but you come to a point where it's very blissful. Yeah. As you know yourself.
0: Yeah. And and it's one of those things where you kind of just have to experience it and be present for it to, to get a sense of what it does. Yeah. Um, so, so I encourage you if you're listening to do this. How about just a, a practice that one could do by themselves um, if they're not with their partner?
1: Yeah. Well, the sexual breathing is really, really key because you know the central channel to works with so many different things. It works with transforming anger. It works with being strong and centered in your life. Um, it works with being free as you navigate your emotions and you perceive, you know, how you receive the energies around you. So you, so practicing sexual breathing and opening your central channel, your channel of power, you would lie down with your knees towards the ceiling, uh, soles of your feet resting on the floor. And you would put your left hand, if you're right-handed on your sex as a grounding factor. Then you would put your right hand on top of your left. And then you would imagine as you slightly tighten your genital muscles that you inhale through your sex and very slowly move your energy and your breath from your sex to your heart, from your heart to your third eye. And then you exhale going down from your third eye to your heart, back to your sex. You open your sex muscles and you imagine your sexual energy goes out to your sex. So inhaling through your sex, relaxing, moving, tightening a little bit your sexual muscles so you propulse the energy in the root block towards your heart and your third eye. And then exhaling from your third eye, gently, gently letting slowly the energy fall down to your belly and out your sex as you slightly, slightly push out with your sex muscles to let the energy go out. So, that would be a very simple and easy way of practicing the opening of your central channel.
0: I was enjoying practicing that while you were describing it That's going to change this interview. Um, so let's talk, too, about you were talking about the transmutation of emotion. and And I'm curious about the way that we store trauma in our bodies and and in particular um i mean this does impact i think all genders but i i know it's particular for women having pain during intercourse or um tightness restriction um so i'm wondering what have you yeah. learned about about healing that yeah. sort of pain
1: well i've learned a lot let me tell you um and i'm still learning uh, it's amazing i've just been working and teaching in europe and um um i'm dealing with a case of abuse right now with one of my participants that is extreme you know and i would say that you know sexual uh pain or sexual abuse is processed by people in many different ways. Some people take a long time. Some people manage to, you know, transform it and transcend it when they meet their right partner or their love supersedes, you know, resistance. But what I discovered in my research and practice is this, and I describe it in Chapter 9, I think, of my book, uh, Awakening the Guru Between Your Legs. Uh, which is a a really beautiful chapter, uh, which is about healing uh, the tensions in our sex, uh, in pelvis and in our sex. Uh, So um, when we have a trauma of any kind, but especially a sexual trauma, the body responds in that way that it says, aha, you are experiencing pain in that spot. Therefore, we're gonna help you by allowing you not to feel anything there anymore. So there's a lot of women that come to me and they say, well, you know, uh, I'm basically an orgasmic. I was traumatized and, you know, now I don't feel anything and it's just as well, okay? And so then I tell them, no, you are an orgasmic woman. Once again, here we go, you know? And so how do we find out? We need to go. This is why my work is so radical. Um, It was inspired, by the way, uh, by postural integration uh, developed by Jack Painter, uh, which learned it and uh, adjusted it from Rolfing, from Ida Rolf. And he added emotional release in that. And working with Jack Painter over the years, uh, he's now passed on, peace to his soul, I learned many things. And one of them is that if we work in internal massaging very, very gently, uh, segment after segment, let's talk about the vagina, and we work on releasing the tensions that are in various points inside the vaginal walls, and there is a way to do that, I can't go into details, but then it will happen that the person may well re-experience the trauma that they went through. And if we can work it therapeutically in such a way that instead of being the small child that had to leave the body in order to, uh, how would I say, uh, bear the horror of being abused and now we can allow that small child to be in that adult and to be able to have a voice and to express its indignation against the person who is the uh, perpetrator, Uh, then the emotion comes back and the power comes back through the expression of the anger. After that, the sadness comes back and the tears come back. And after that, believe it or not, amazingly, the sensation comes back. And so people having done such sessions are able to go back to lovemaking and feel everything millimeter by millimeter where they were not able to feel before because the memories have been released and the tissues are healed. They have liberated the tensions that they were holding back. And so that doesn't mean that everything is healed, but it means that, you know, you have done a deep, deep work that is very important, you know? So that's one way that is possible to heal um, somewhat, uh, you know, sexual abuse. And there's many other ways, but that's a way that I favor.
0: Mm, Yeah, and I can imagine that, to be a deeply connecting experience with your partner. Um, So yeah. Wow. And, and yes, that is described very, very clearly in, in your, in your book. Um, And I think, I think you might've mentioned that there was another book that you wrote that was more specifically about that practice even.
1: Uh, Yeah, actually, I talk about an aspect of it in the art of sexual ecstasy. And also in the art of sexual magic, there is a very detailed session, the orgasm of Shakti and the orgasm of Shiva, a detailed session of how you can give each other such a session.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean, that work really motivates me, I have to say that that idea that partners can show up for each other in not only in the joy and the bliss, but also in the healing. And, yeah. and transmuting those kinds of past experiences. It's so powerful. And
1: It is, um, because imagine, yeah. once you start to speak the same language with each other, you start to heal each other, you navigate through this, and then you are able to understand the language of love and orgasm so well that you can actually give each other pleasure in a unique way that you couldn't find with other people because you wouldn't have worked it through that way. Then, then you become, you know so precious to each other you become unique you know and yeah. find another partner like that you know you're so adjusted and right. i tell you i'm actually navigating in the world of sky dancing tantra with friends that have been married for 20 30 40 years and they completely revived their marriage after they came to my training or read my book because they realized that if they took an appointment One evening or one afternoon or one morning a week, depending on their schedules, just for, you know, giving each other pleasure or making love or whatever it is they need, but just to, you know, pay attention to each other, Um, so to speak, service each other. After all, you do it for your car. What would you do it for your partner or your relationship, (laughs) right? (laughs) Really, when you think of it, well... When people know the tools of sky dancing tantra and they take the time to meet each other in that way, you know the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, one particular aspect of this that I'm curious about—it's, um, I guess, a well-known, observable phenomenon—that after a guy has an orgasm, there's very frequently, or a, or an ejaculating orgasm, there's this refractory period where they, you know, there's some time while. Before they can get going again, and um, w- what I'm curious about is I've noticed that this also happens with some women as well, where they have that orgasm and then like there's something that just shifts, you know, the the yeah. whatever the is connecting. Is yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So do you have? Is that something you've dealt with? And and what what would you suggest to to people who are experiencing that? Well, with guys, it seems like the answer is well don't don't ejaculate like learn other ways of of cycling that sexual energy within yourself
1: yeah. um, your your well, staying course, power yeah well that that in itself for a normal man who has not been exposed to all that training uh is a, is a challenge you know uh because a man is uh, wired to be uh you know in an expansive outgoing type of energy and um So the tendency would be to go for it and go for it and go for it until the excitement becomes so strong that he can't hold it anymore. So I would say that the training in being able to be an orgasmic man and not ejaculate, because it's not about giving up your orgasm. It's about discovering another type of orgasm. And again, uh, doing my practices um, help. It's, It's a very possible and very helpful way that you can introject the excitement even as a man because you have to realize that you have two orgasmic trigger points in a man as well as in a woman, the external one which is the glance on top of the penis and the prostate inside and the woman is the clitoris for the external one and the g-spot for the internal part. Uh, And so When a woman knows how to uh, give pleasure to a man or to stimulate a man in these two points, and the man has opened his central channel, or even better, when the man starts by self-pleasuring and stops before the point of no return and tightens his muscles and does the sexual breathing and brings the energy of pleasure to his heart, let's start with the heart, and then exhales it down to the sex, the sexologists of today say that this is the basic training for a man to grow his staying power. And they say that if a man can do that six times in half an hour, then he has mastered his staying power because he doesn't need to ejaculate. And this is just, of course, the beginning because if he can stay relaxed in all that, Then he masters the next step in Tantra, which is the art of staying relaxed in high states of arousal. And then this arousal energy, because you are relaxed, can circulate through every cell of your body, and you don't have a push to release through the ejaculatory orgasm. And this then can lead to all sorts of other ways of connecting, you see. And so... It's, it's a thing that a man has got to be willing to explore because he will be tempted along the way to go for it, to say, oh, next time, tomorrow, I will go <laughs> and get back. <laughs>
0: this
1: feels so good. I have to let it go, you know. So it's understanding that, you know, you, you are you're letting go of a pleasure to build up to a bigger pleasure later on once you've mastered this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the power of, of making that commitment to that, to doing it that way, like ahead of time, I think is, is key, especially if you and your partner are supporting each other in that. Um, how about for the women who also experience, like they, they get sort of past the point of no return and, and, uh, and then lose their desire. Is that is it a similar solution?
1: Yeah, actually it's pretty similar. Um, you know, basically we have to explore our sexual functioning. And many people think that they will explore the sexual functioning when it starts with being with your partner. No, it starts with, you know, I I, I give coaching sessions in Bali where I live. I live in Bali by the beach. And once in a while, maybe three, four times a year, I get couples to come um, to do practice for a week in my house under my supervision. And they never start with practicing together. They go to a different room or a different house. I have two houses there. And they do their practices on their own, just maybe the practices I described. And then they give a feedback. How did it go? And then after they've done that, they start to do it together. And it's um, it's very satisfying when you can uh, you know give each other this kind of attention, and when you can kind of let go of the first degree of excitement, and when you can circulate the energy with each other, it's wonderful, you know?
0: Yeah, that sounds like it would be an amazing experience. Um, And you do also, I think you mentioned uh, to me before we started that you have some workshops coming up at, at Esalen that people can find out more about on your site. But what are what are those like those workshops that you teach?
1: Well, there is one that's coming up in Hawaii in a wonderful place that I teach on the, um, I think it's on the 16th of January. And you can find out about it in two days on my website and on my Facebook, uh, Margo Anand uh, public page, I think it'll be. And I teach it with a wonderful man called Robert Silber, um, a very, very fun guy, sexy, Uh, 30 years old or 40 years old, looking like he's 30. Um, And in that particular group, I let him uh, do a lot of stuff. And I'm the wisdom keeper. I'm the one that (laughs) brings in the dimension of the mystical, spiritual. uh, And uh, the guy's pretty outrageous. And I enjoy it, you know. So there is a tantra festival in Hawaii at his place. He has a, a growth center, and um, all the information will be on my website. And then after that, um, there is, in the end of January, I'm doing a fabulous week at Blue Spirit Retreat, which is a branch uh, of Omega Institute in America. So they have a beautiful uh, facility in Nosara on the beach. And then we do a week-long holiday, educational holiday and I'm doing it with a wonderful woman quite well-known in the States called Esther Perel. Oh, yes. And we have a, a week-long together where we offer people all together a certain number of sessions. And then they have also lots of other options. They have yoga. They have massage. They have excursions in the jungle where they can meet, you know, wild animals on the wild. They can explore the Costa Rican uh, coastline. They can go horseback riding, you know. So we do that. That one is, I think, the 26th of January in Costa Rica. And then after that, I have programs in April with a wonderful co-teacher partner of mine called Jim Benson. And we're teaching um, skydancing tantra uh, a weekend and then a week long at SLM.
0: Great, and those are things that people can do with their partners or yes, yes, on their yes, own.
1: Absolutely, that's a partner thing.
0: Oh, great, great. Um, this has been so helpful and so rich, and obviously the the body of your work is so deep that um, we could talk for hours, and <laughs> uh, and I'm tempted to, um, yeah. but the uh, yeah the one thing that that comes to me, I'm thinking about um in your in your latest book um because your adventures are are so rich and and I love the stories that you that you tell about your experiences I'm wondering if there's there's a story that occurs to you right now in the moment that maybe even isn't in your book but but something about like a a moment where um where you discovered something new or uh, realized something else was possible, or is anything coming to mind that you might like to share?
1: Uh yeah. How I discovered riding the wave of bliss. Yeah, uh, great. So it started at the Guimet Museum in Paris. We were watching uh, a show on Tibetan tantric art, and I came upon this incredible statue of Buddha Padmasambhava looking very fierce, a meter high, golden, uh, uh, probably, I don't know, it was silver or gold or bronze that was golden and incredibly beautiful art. And on his lap was his partner. And they were surrounded by beautiful silks, hand-embroidered silks, exquisite. And so I look at this and I go, wow, what are these guys doing? You know, I'm new at this and it's a long time ago. And then for some reason, I bent down and I look under their skirts and I see that his vajra is inside her yoni. It's a statue. It's in a museum and they're doing it (laughs) under their cells. So now I got totally curious and I started to explore all this. And I say in my chapter, all the different ways I explored it. Um, which led me finally to meet a wonderful man who is still today alive and practicing Kundalini yoga. I won't mention names, but I met him and we kind of flashed uh, upon each other and I went to his classes and I thought, you know, I was looking for a partner to partner th- to, 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 uh, practice this. It's not easy, you know? to have a woman on your lap as a man to maintain your erection and to have a yoni as a woman that is practiced and um, capable of tightening your yoni muscles enough to stimulate the man while he's inside of you in the yabyum position is not an easy thing to do when you start you you would agree right so take some practice take some practice <laughs> So I'm with this man, I'm saying, aha, he's the guy, he's the guy I want to explore this with. And so I managed to convince him, you know, to go on a tantric holiday with me in Hawaii. And, um, and he said to me, well, you know, I have never experienced this practice with another human being, with a woman. And I said, well, I'm the one, darling, you know, <laughs> together. And so I remember when he arrived, so I went ahead, I rented the house, I found the perfect place. And I know he was a very busy man, just recently divorced, two children, you know, still wounded. So I had to be, you know, careful, make it easy and enticing. So anyway, he came, and he understood everything. And, you know, he offered me a gift. And I think that when partners want to do tantric practice and they want to enter into a really holy space together, they have to offer each other a gift, you know? And the gift has to symbolize whatever it is that they want to achieve together. So he gave me a gift of a double-pointed crystal, so beautiful and so pure, there wasn't one single blemish in that crystal. And he said, beautiful Shakti, may this crystal represent the purity of our spirit, you know, anchored in our body. Beautiful. Then I gave him a roll of a a painting I did, which was called Penetration, and which was an action painting with a strong vajra penetrating a yoni, but in abstract rendering. And so after that, we went into a schedule of practice that led us to the most exquisite experience and it's only after 30 years and chapter 9 or 10 of this book that I, that I finally found and was able to duplicate the chapter 1, which was the ecstatic transformation of our energy into light. You remember this orgasm? Yes, yes. Where I became pure light. Well, there again, I became pure light and I was very happy that I could finally found that I had found the practice that allowed me to duplicate the first experience the first time I made love. So this mm. is, was a, something I found out, I could say. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and that that chapter was, as you said at the beginning, the whole book is a page turner, but that was particularly a good GC one as well. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of, of two, two questions, if I may. Um, the first is that These practices, they lead to some some sexual experiences where time just disappears. Kind of like this conversation we're having. And I'm wondering, how do you stop? You know, like, because you can just go and go and and time evaporates. And, and I think this is actually a problem for people where it's yeah. like, where, like when, what's the end? Because some people are like, I think that's how they use their orgasms in some ways. It's just like, okay, we both had orgasms and now it's over. Like now let's uh-huh. back to the laundry. I
1: mean, yeah. Well, um, when you really, really are into a genuine tantric practice, when you finally wake up out of it, you have the impression that you spend an hour in that ritual and in fact you spend five hours, you know, because you lost track of time. Yeah. But, um, well, there's ways, you know. One is to say, we will stop when? And you look at the clock and you say, okay, now you stop because you don't (laughs) have to have a conclusion. You can stop anytime, you know. Or another way is to say, um we stop when one of us feels like it's time. In our case, in this example I gave, we had to go to the crown chakra. And when we went to the crown chakra, we became light and we enjoyed that tremendously. And then naturally then it came to its you know conclusion. Yeah. So you have to trust, you know, you have to trust. Yeah. And great. You don't have to have a fixed ending that has to end this way or that way, you know. And, you know, one of the highest pearls of Tantra that would take a lot of talking and teaching, but I'll give it to you anyway, Yes, um, is to be desireless at the height of desire. Okay. And I'll explain what the mysterious meaning of that phrase is on some other interview later.
0: So thank you so much that... That is a great place to end, that sense of like, can you cultivate being desireless and and witnessing and being present for yourself and for your partner, even at the heights of your most desirous moments.
1: Yes, and exactly. uh, you got it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Margot Anand, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been such a treat. And as I mentioned before, we will have links to Margot's books and her workshops and her website all available if you download the show guide you can do that at neilsatin.com skydancing or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions and i'll send you a link where you can download the show guide to this episode as well as all the other episodes and connect with Margot and her amazing work um Thank you so much for, for advocating to uh, eliminate the, the sexual ignorance that exists on the planet and helping transform people's lives and uh, reaching bliss alone and with their partners. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for having me on your show. It was wonderful to share with you. Thank you. And you're very knowledgeable yourself. It's a pleasure to talk with you.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive Community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion p-a-s-s-i-o-n to the number 33444 for more information finally do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on relationship alive either for a future or past guest let me know and i'll see what i can do take care and see you next time